following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the big old juicy show, episode 904 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Bernie Page. Do you want to hear something scary? Isn't that like a horror movie thing? <laughs> I It sounded like something. I wasn't intending to rip something off, but it sounded like I was. Anyway, do you want to hear something scary? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> 260 days until Tuesday, November 5th, 2024. Oh, yeah. Which is election day. Only 260 days. It is amazing because it seems like yesterday that Donald Trump won the election in 2016. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like no time has passed. Yeah. We don't live on the same coast as we did then. Not only that, it feels equally as as recent that the insurrection happened at the end of Donald Trump's term. Right. And here we are, four years removed almost from that. Mm-hmm. It, where in the fiddling is time going? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's an aside, but it's also just terrifying that we've lived in this space with the march of fascism happening over the course of almost 10 years. We're still here, and we are. the country is no better. Abortion rights have been... I mean, now we're getting into something heavy, but yeah, what the fuck, man? Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to go there right off the bat, <laughs> well, but, but I do want to talk about something that popped up this week, which is this conversation surrounding increased pressure on President Joe Biden to step aside and allow someone else to run. And I originally saw this on Ezra Klein's podcast, Marcus, longtime listener, longtime supporter of the show, sent it to us and advised that we listen to it. awkward. That's the wrong one. Hello, Marcus. (laughs) And so... I listened to it, and the basic the basic argument that Ezra Klein made was that that he, that he doesn't believe that there is a cognitive problem that that Joe Biden is not unable to be president that he has actually been very successful as a president and that he believes he can continue to be successful as a president. His main argument is that Joe Biden cannot convince Americans that that is true and have them vote for him when it is a him versus Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And so he made the argument that historically in the past that presidents have been presidential candidates have been appointed selected at the convention in in August I believe and that that is something that is possible here. And of course there's been a lot of voices that have been encouraging Biden to step down over the few months uh, or the past few months it's not just Ezra Klein suddenly popping up this week but it seems like there's increased pressure for this to happen. I mean I just saw one of the Johns from that show, um, Pod Save America, 
tweeting about this as well. I always want to ca- call it Save Us from the Johns. <laughs> right. Because of Ian and Jonathan's podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so even one of the Johns was was tweeting about this. Which is weird because those guys are lockstep Democrats. Like very rarely, or at least used to, have any criticism whatsoever. Right, which I think means that this message is kind of starting to seep in into what some people might call the Democratic establishment, hmm. where the message might start getting to President Biden. So this this new pressure this new pressure has come out this week, along with John Stewart stepping up and coming back to the Daily Show once a week on Mondays, and and he did a segment Jesse that you were highly critical of on your YouTube channel, yeah, where he. I think in your view, you can probably speak more to what your 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 problem with yeah, it was. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of false equivalence between, oh, there are a couple of old guys. Well, that's a, what a huge problem. A couple of old guys. Hey, bring it in, camera. Look at me. I'm old, too. And I'm way younger than these old guys. It was shitty. It was fucked. Uh, apparently, the segment was like 20 minutes long. And I've been criticized for highlighting, well, the other things. That, what about the other things that he said? The other things that he said. All I can speak to is the eight minutes of video that they put on Twitter that all was about how they're both just a couple of old dudes. And that is um, a rank disservice to the American people of trying to flatten the situation between the dangers that Donald Trump poses and whatever dangers, I guess, that Joe Biden may, may pose when it's not just that there are a couple of old guys. One wants to criminalize abortion. One wants to oppress uh, LGBTQ people. One wants to end fucking democracy in America. And to make the argument that they're just a couple of old guys is uh, irresponsible. Yeah, so I listened to the Ezra Klein podcast and I actually cried while I was listening to it because I'm so stressed out about this <laughs> that I I don't know. I'm, I'm very stressed out about this upcoming election. Yeah. As well you should be. Everyone should be. And, you know, we get a lot of listener communication from people that are mad at us because we aren't critical enough of Joe Biden. And and then it's too critical of Joe Biden. Any criticism is too much criticism, apparently. And, And here's the thing. Like, we've been talking about Gaza on every episode and people will write in and say, we're not talking about Gaza enough and that he's genocide Joe and he's supporting a genocide, and how can you encourage people to vote for someone who's supporting a genocide? No, I, and- see, I see their point, though, Brittany. I mean, if you really look at it, things would be so much better for the Palestinian people under Donald Trump. He would, he would rescue them. He would extricate them from the, the onslaught, the military onslaught taking place right now under the regime of of Bibi Netanyahu, for sure. Donald Trump is a friend to the Palestinian people. Get the fuck out of here. It just seems nihilistic to come from this space where you where you say it continuing to have people vote for the lesser of two evils is just getting us into this horrific place. And so I'm not going to do it anymore. And it's like, well, what do you think is going to happen? to the oppressed and vulnerable populations when someone like Donald Trump is in power again. I understand that many of us, me included, are unhappy with the choices, many of the choices, not all, that President Biden has made. But what you just said is true, Jesse, that if Donald Trump gets back into power, 
things are going to be so much worse yeah. in a way that is, I think, difficult for us to comprehend. And I don't want to know that world because it is going to be a lot of pain and suffering for a lot of people, a lot of, again, vulnerable and oppressed groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we look at this as a, a wound, that that's just like ripping the bandage off and letting the person die. Right now, we're trying to step in and take and take little incremental steps that will stave off the bleeding, stave off the death. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand that it's not perfect at all, but I don't see that side where we can just throw in the towel and say, I'm I'm done here. I'm done voting for the quote unquote lesser of two evils. Um, it's very real that Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. And normally we try to have a light intro topic, but I just feel like this week has been dominated by this discourse that's hard to get away from. And a lot of people have messaged us saying, what are your thoughts on this? We we want to know what you think about this. And so my position, at least, is that we're going to do everything we can to ensure that Donald Trump is not elected again. And that's going to make a lot of people unhappy, I guess. But from our perspective... There is no other choice. You need to ensure that you're doing everything that you can to make sure that doesn't happen, yeah. to prevent the suffering. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, I'm reading all of these emails, too, and there have been dozens and dozens of voicemails, probably double that quantity of, of emails. And what I am disheartened by, not most disheartened by, but bothered by, is the lack of nuance that's allowed in this conversation. For instance, when I did the video about Jon Stewart expressing my dismay at the uh, the idiotic, as I see it, take, people automatically assume that I'm just putting on my cape for Joe Biden and being a being a a, a cheerleader for him to mix metaphors. And that's just not the case. Would I rather have somebody else run for president than Joe Biden? Yes. I would have rather had somebody run for for president in in 2020 when he ran. He wasn't the guy that I jumped behind. I was an Elizabeth Warren supporter. Ended up voting for Bernie because I didn't feel like she had had a chance. So just because I'm defending Joe Biden's cognition doesn't mean I wouldn't rather have even, let's say, a a Gavin Newsom in his place. That would be fantastic. Luckily for us, meaning us, the Democrats, and the, the greater portion of America here in the United States that cares about the outcome of this election, luckily for us, the Republican Party is filled to the brim with fucking radical idiots who don't see what's at stake here if they continue to press Donald Trump as their candidate. Because as I see it, and this is unfortunate, and I don't agree with this position, but the way I see it, just calling balls and strikes, if the Republican Party had nominated Chris Christie, this would be a done deal election if it was a Chris Christie versus Joe Biden. Chris Christie, in my estimation, and I think he's abhorrent and sinister and duplicitous, Chris Christie would beat handily 80-year-old Joe Biden. Handily. 
lucky for Joe Biden and the rest of the country, we have the most flawed candidate in the history of American politics running who's going to get the nomination for the Republicans. That's lucky for us. Lucky for Joe Biden that it's Donald Trump is the guy. But we deserve a better candidate. And not that he's a bad man, but as a candidate, there's a lot of vulnerability there. Because people's perception plays a role. Is their perception correct? I don't believe so. Joe Biden walks slower because he's fucking 81. He talks slower because he's 80 fucking one. Is he cognitive decline? Does he have uh, dementia? No, because it would raise its ugly head at times when it would be very, very, very disadvantageous. And it doesn't do that. We see him talking extemporaneously all the fucking time. I'll wrap it. I'll put a button on it. So yes, would I would I like someone else? Yes. But no pressure the party is going to bring to bear other than his own decision is going to make that decision. Am I angry at, at um, Ezra Klein? No, fuck no. Get your opinion out there. But let's make the decision and let's talk about this with the full scope of nuance that it deserves and not if you... If you criticize uh, 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 John Stewart, that you're just blindly in the tank for Joe Biden when that is just fucking nonsense. Yeah. So again, and I I struggle with this because again, people do struggle with the the nuance of it, and I I get that. I again, I listened to an Ezra Klein podcast and cried. Okay, we're all feeling very vulnerable <laughs> and yeah. emotionally frayed. So I I understand that it's a it's a high stakes conversation and it's uncomfortable. But I would hope that as we continue to go through this election season, that we can at least be on the same page about what what is actually at stake. Whether it's climate change, whether <laughs> you mean the Chinese hoax that Donald Trump believes it to be. I mean. Donald Trump, I'm sure, is going to enter the White House and have several executive orders ready to go to completely reverse all of the progress that the Biden administration has made right. on on climate change and implementing programs to fight climate change. At abortion rights, I mean, take your pick. Whatever. No, Donald Trump's going to be great on abortion rights and even contraception access. He'll be great about that. Yeah. Come on. So... We would love to know what you think about that. 657-464-7609. You can call and leave a voicemail there uh, or send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Everything's fine. Don't worry about me. I'm perfectly fine. All right. We want to thank our Patreon supporters before we get to some listener communication. So we want to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Ray K. Ray K. The big O N. The big O N? <laughs> Luke E. Luke E. I'm not reading them. I'm just going off your pronunciation. Tried and true. Tried and true. Eric J. C. Eric J. C. Eric J. C. with a, a pretty um significant Patreon pledge. So thank oh. you very much, Eric JC. We appreciate that. If you have not received your Patreon end of your gift, send us a message on Patreon and we will figure out what happened. I have a, a spreadsheet of which addresses they went out to so we can try to figure out what went wrong. If you are a new Patreon supporter and you haven't received it, just keep checking your mailbox because we are sending those out on an ongoing basis. And remember, if you become a Patreon supporter by the end of February, you still get that Patreon end of your gift. Just make 
make sure your mailing address is correct, please. That's very important. And one of the main perks of Patreon is that you get access to the ad-free show as well as the monthly bonus episode. And Jesse recently posted a post in the new feature on Patreon, the community tab that I guess is only available on the mobile app right now. And you asked for suggestions on the next bonus episode and we got some great ones. Got some good ones. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. So you can also join that conversation and we appreciate all of your support. And check out Patreon at patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. All right, moving on. So speaking of Patreon, we did get a message from a Patreon supporter on our last episode, we dedicated it a dedicated a significant. Are you doing okay? I am doing great, <laughs> as you can see. Uh, we dedicated a significant part of the show to talking about a story that the Young Turks covered about the the migrants, quote unquote, beating a cop in Times Square, and how once the full body camera footage was released, the the story changed quite a bit, and we realized that the police actually provoked that conflict. To and my knowledge, the Young Turks take has not changed, though. I, I don't believe there's been a correction on that. So we did receive a message, though, from a Patreon supporter. I smoke and I know things. All right. So here we go. They're going to smoke, know, and now share things. Yes, that's like a dad joke. Okay. I watch TYT and I enjoy Anna and Jank. We are not all going to agree on the same thing all the time. Where I don't always agree on Anna's point of view, I respect it. I think we all need to quit judging each other on the left and getting offended all the time because a more unified force, oh, and become a more unified force. Maybe we would get a little further if we weren't constantly bickering about who said what and how they said it. Come on. Come the fuck on. This is this is a terrible take. Uh, adjust yourself. Uh, check into yourself. Look into yourself. This is a, it's a terrible take. This is a terrible take. Oh, not everybody's going to agree all the time. I think we'd get a lot further. And by that, I think you mean positionally. The progress we would make in society, we would get farther along if we wouldn't criticize the bad takes of other people. Like, she's... Would you criticize Marco Rubio or Matt Gates or Donald Trump for criticizing migrants and the crime they create? Would you? Would that be a, hey, let's just get along. We're going to get along a lot farther if we just don't criticize. Because that's her take is a Republican talking point. Her take absolutely, without doubt, is just mimicking right-wing propaganda anti-immigrant talking points. We're not going to get further anywhere by not taking her to task for her shitty right-wing talking points. That's it. Okay, so here I am. <laughs> and I looked up the definition of... The views and opinions of Jesse Dolamore are solely those of Jesse Dolamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. Proceed. So this, this phrase, like, getting offended, I feel like it's lost its meaning because everyone uses it in ways that make it difficult to understand what they're trying to say. So I just went to look up the definition of offended. And the definition of offended is resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Hmm. So I don't think that fits with our response to Anna Kasparian because we weren't insulted. Not offended. And so I don't think it's about, quote unquote, getting offended. Like this is almost like a triggered, you know, like yeah. I don't, and um, I don't really, I don't see that. So what I see is 
a disappointment and particularly with people who ascribe the label progressive to themselves and then they're representing themselves as a progressive to the world and as a leftist to the world and they're a pretty high profile example of what it means yeah. to be a progressive or a leftist to the world and then they're representing that and they're representing those values but they don't actually align with progressive and leftist values and so for me that's a problem because i want more people to see the label progressive as something that's positive as something that means that we put human rights first that we are guided by our principles and values of trying to reduce suffering and focus on human rights and the most vulnerable yeah and when i see people that have adopted that label then acting at odds with those values, I think it's important to call that out. And again, sometimes we get accused of trying to like get attention because we're going after someone who has a bigger profile or whatever. No, this is about people who consume that media and may walk away thinking, well, these are progressives. They have to kind of be right about this, right? They have to be saying something that's that's true, right? When, no, she was misrepresenting the situation. She took the cops at their word. She used it to increase the the volume of stories that were out there making headlines about migrants stomping on a cop right. before we knew that the cop couldn't handle having words said to him on the street and decided to put hands on someone who had not touched him. Yeah, it's also... It, listen, it's also this strange habit we'll call it it seems habitual this compulsion whatever motivates it i don't know whatever animates it i don't know of the young turks of what i only can assume is audience capture uh jank and and i'm jank running for president when he's not even eligible that's a distraction Jank is not moving the needle one bit to try to push joe biden out of the race he's taking donations from people they 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 endorsed Caruso for mayor of, of 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 Los Angeles, a Republican who ran on we're going to clean up all these violent homeless people. They're just I don't believe they're progressives. I believe they are opportunists who, who you know it's it's disappointing because a lot of people like the emailer. They do listen, and they do put our opinions and our views and our on the same plane it's like oh no they're progressives too they we just just kind of disagree we don't just kind of disagree you're not going to hear us and if you do we're going to apologize for it repeating copaganda how many times have we heard a story from cops that ends up being absolutely proved to be filthy lies based on the evidence that comes out later too many to count, too many to rely upon the word of police organizations or police unions, yet when it's convenient to back up the narrative they want to put forward, they run with it. They're here for whatever whatever press release the police gave. So I'm, I am, I, I don't know, was irritated part of uh, offended? Was that part of the definition? Uh, annoyed and yeah, I guess I'm annoyed, resentful. So I'm not resentful, I mean, but I'm irritated. <laughs> it fucking irritates me. So uh, again, we we have different perspectives and approaches to this, and I I do agree with I smoke and I know things that it is important to be 
unified, but you can't just suppress your values and and go along with things. I think it's important that if someone is indicating that they hold a position that is not in line with your values, that it's okay to have a conversation about that. I, I mean, I, I don't I don't see a problem in having a conversation about that. And we're going to continue to do that. So thank you for your message. Thank you for being a Patreon supporter. We appreciate that. We got another email here, and this is from Tommy in Wisconsin. Hey, Jesse and Brittany and Sweepy, of course. I left a voicemail that was read on one of your shows a few months back, and I'd like to state more about it. I live in a rural and poor area of Wisconsin, and our small community has an Angels Facebook page set up where people can ask for things they need or people can offer up items they are getting rid of to those who may need them. There is a family-owned restaurant here that has started a pay-it-forward program where patrons can donate meals or money for meals for anyone who might need one. The restaurant has been on some of the local news affiliates, and I think it's great. People started writing letters and donating money and meals. It's awesome. Of course, some asshole had to throw their stupid shade on them. Some woman, at least I think it is by the handwriting, took the time and energy to write them a letter calling those who come and try to take a meal offer as lazy, that they are entitled and should be able to make food at home. Jesus fucking Christ, can we lay off? Are they so upset that someone got something for free that they need to stop and bitch about it? I can't fucking handle it. Author Arlie Russell Hothschild... Hope, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, titled Strangers in Their Own Land. She writes that people on the right get upset because so many people are, quote, cutting in line to the American dream. And of course, those people are the common culprits, poor people, immigrants, people of color. It's insane. I never knew that going to a restaurant for a warm meal is considered the American dream. It must be exhausting to be this mad and hateful all the time. Poor people deserve to go out to dinner, too. It's a simple thing that maybe makes them feel like a normal person, and I'm tired of people treating them like shit and being complete assholes. Thanks for letting me rant. Tommy in Wisconsin. It's a strange... Maybe I misunderstand words. I don't know. But to ascribe, to attach the word, the descriptor entitled on homeless people, on poor people, on desperate people, that they're entitled... Is just bananas to me. When I think of the word entitled, the people that I would attach it to are people like the the, the self-described billionaire Donald Trump. He feels entitled to things. Feeling entitled to a place to sleep or a warm meal isn't fucking entitlement. That's being alive. Feeling entitled to having the law look the other way because you're rich and powerful and a former president, that's that's entitlement. I just, conservatives will twist themselves. In, again, maybe I'm wrong about what the word entitled means, but that's not what I'm thinking about when it's somebody who's hungry who who feels entitled to a meal because they're hungry. <laughs> yeah, you know, a weird thing happened to me. I posted this this tweet of two headlines that I came across this week. And one of them was a headline that showed that Blake Lively wore a half a million dollars worth of jewelry to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And the other headline was that housing is now unaffordable for a record half of all U.S. renters. (laughs) And I just put these two headlines together and I said, I'm deep breathing while reading the headlines. 
And I was shocked by the number of comments that were like, don't attack Blake Lively. Uh, all right. Yeah. Like, well, everything becomes fandom and, and teams. Like, I don't have a problem with her jewelry. I have a problem with Jeff Bezos. You know, yeah. um, like, you should be focusing on those people. And it's like, well, no, I think that illustrating this juxtaposition of people who can afford to wear half a million dollars worth of jewelry on an outing to a football game and then half of Americans can't afford their rent. Yeah. Um, that juxtaposition is really sickening. And well, it's like what we talked about last time about the cost of the Super Bowl. The lowest price tickets being 6500 or whatever. Yeah, and I guess just imagine seeing those two headlines next to each other and you feel the need to defend Blake Lively instead of comment on how half of Americans can't afford their rent. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was reminded of when I was reading this email, where people do act like it's entitlement for someone who has nothing to be given a meal. Um, but they're not upset about like these gift bags at the Oscars that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars that celebrities get full of free shit. Yeah, the people who don't need it the most, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Of all the people who need something, they don't need it the most, and they're getting it for free. Right. And if they're a Kardashian, they're going to put it in their Kardashian closet online and sell it for money to make even yeah. more money. Yeah. So it's really... I don't understand it. And I talk a lot about welfare, public policy, poor people on my on my YouTube channel. And there's a comment that I have a screenshot of because I like to collect comments to do like comment videos. And someone said, well, Brittany, why don't you go put your family on welfare? What? <laughs> and I'm like, is that supposed to be? And I, I would happily. Been there. Yeah, be done that. <laughs> number one, been there, done that. But also number two, yeah, I would happily go do that. And I want anyone who yeah. is in a position where they need help to be able to go and get help. And if you're asking what I want my tax dollars to go to, I want them to go to that. I would be happy to know that they're going to that. It also kind of flies in the face of like the conservative narrative that you, you can't have it both ways. This is not the conservative narrative, but I'm saying this. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it, yeah, well, why don't you go put your family on welfare and, boy, they're living fucking high on the hog on the welfare. Yeah. I mean, like Matt Walsh talking about how homeless people, it's, it's just, oh, it's just a free, it's how amazing to just live like this. You just get free money and, uh, like, they're just the lap of luxury. Right. Being on welfare or food stamps or whatever other quote-unquote entitlement program. Or San Francisco District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, who said that we've made it too comfortable. Yeah, or that fucking mayor there is too. London Breed. London Breed. Yeah. What's happening in San Francisco? Not good. <laughs> I think after they leave office, they're going to end up being contributors for the Young Turks. It'll be great. So thank Perfect you, fit. Tommy, for that email. And if you would like to email... Should I play the disclaimer one more time? <laughs> no, I think people get it. Feel free to call and leave a voicemail, 657-464-7609, or you can send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we haven't talked about Donald Trump 
a lot. Like we have kind of been getting away from him the past couple of weeks. I think because we haven't wanted to face it. <laughs> but guess what, guys? It's happening. So it's time that we kind of revisit and check back in with how things are going. With it's him. also campaign season, so it's it's unavoidable at this point. Yeah, and he of course just lost in his fraud trial in New York, and he's going to have to pay what will exceed four hundred and fifty million because. They were also including interest. So a lot of the early numbers that you saw weren't including the interest. And I really appreciate what the judge wrote in this case, because in his ruling, he said that the complete lack of contrition on display by Donald Trump was border borderline pathological is how he characterized it. And Donald Trump, a person who has gone his entire life without facing consequences, is finally to the point where he's starting to see some consequences. In his ruling, Judge Arthur Ngoren said of Trump and the other defendants, their complete lack of remorse borders on pathological. This whole thing is very unfair. On Trump himself, who took the stand two times, the judge said his refusal to answer the questions directly, or in some cases at all, severely compromised his credibility. Judge Angoran had already ruled that Trump and his sons and company executives committed years of business fraud, fraudulently inflating their assets to boost the former president's net worth, including his Trump Tower penthouse and Mar-a-Lago, exaggerating its value by as much as 2,300 percent. Today's penalty caps a three-month trial in a lawsuit brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. The scale and the scope of Donald Trump's fraud is staggering. And so too is his ego and his belief that the rules do not apply to him. In a separate civil defamation case related to alleged sexual assault, the former president was ordered to pay over $83 million to E. Jean Carroll and his criminal trial involving hush money payments to Stormy Daniels begins next month. I'm going to say it again, but... I just don't get grown adults who have grown up in the lap of luxury using the word unfair as frequently as Donald Trump does. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You've been given everything. Well, he has a very different definition of unfair. (laughs) A consequence-free lifestyle for 78 years. Yeah. And this is just unfair. Yeah. (laughs) What a fucking baby. And maybe it's because I grew up poor and we weren't allowed to to walk around talking about how unfair everything was. Yeah, it's unfair. It's fucking life. You know? (laughs) Of course it's unfair, you stupid jerk off. Yeah. Except for in this case, it's actually fair. <laughs> yes, very fair. Yeah, and... <laughs> well, the other thing is about this, a lot of people have asked the question, well, what if he just fucking doesn't pay? Well, then the New York State, the new, 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 New York State will have every right to go in, put liens on his fucking property, and sell his Trump Tower. They'll sell it right out from under him to some investor. Yeah, it's fantastic. They're going to get their money. Yeah. You don't, this is when you don't fuck around. The IRS, whether it be state government tax people the federal government they will get their money especially under the under the guise of a court ruling they're gonna get they're gonna get their money yeah and he for three years he can't serve in any top roles at any new york company including portions of his own trump organization the judge also imposed a two-year ban on 
uh, both Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and ordered them to pay more than $4 million each. So the, the two sons were also involved in this. And Eric Trump is the company's chief executive, and the ruling throws into doubt whether any member of the family can run the business in the near term, according to reporting from the New York Times. So what I love about this is Donald Trump's power-hungry nature is what is finally getting him these consequences. Because if he didn't run for president... He could have just been scamming everybody and he could still have his Trump shoes and whatever his Trump stakes and all of his little scams that he loves to do. And there would have been no problem. Yeah. But then he ran for president. Well, I think I mean, I hear that all the time that it's it's the the run for president that, that kind of put him in the limelight. And I don't know that that's true, because even the Trump university thing was was in motion the the case against Trump University and Donald Trump himself was in motion before he ran for president so i think it is like the end of his life the consequence was starting to be seen and felt by him and it's kind of apart from running for president but it certainly didn't help that he put himself right there on the radar for prosecutors and everybody else to be looking into all of the corruption that he brought with him to the white house and if you're doing it on full public display what are you doing in private, in your private business and stuff? Yeah, I guess more so things like Stormy Daniels and, yeah, and yeah, those yeah. things really yeah. forced him into this position. Which is a trial that starts on uh, March 25th. Yeah. March so, 25th. And unlike, I heard, the civil cases, he actually does need to be in court for the Stormy Daniels situation. That's right. Because it's a criminal case. Criminal case. Yeah, and so he's already using the line, I have to be here, uh, they're taking me off the campaign trail. <laughs> no one made you allegedly pay off Stormy Daniels after banging her. So, okay. So <laughs> I almost took it to another level. I know. I know. So we haven't played Donald Trump talking in a while. And as you've all been hearing in the news media, he is a Titan of intellect and cognitive ability. He may be approaching 80 years old. He may be almost an octogenarian. Okay. But he's basically like a 25 year old and you're going to hear him right now. And his, beautiful cognition and you're going to be blown away this is him this is him responding to this is right after the the judgment was handed down in the new york case and he came out and he made a statement and i had to play it because you know that guy that you love scooby-doo oh yeah the, uh, <laughs> i don't even know his name he's the saturday Night live guy who does trump now isn't it like james austin green is that a, James yeah. Austin Green, I think. And he does the Donald Trump impressions uh, and on it SNL. Is, holy fuck, it is so good. Yeah, uh, the scrabby doo, uh, scooby doo. <laughs> like he's, he just he used to walk around during COVID and just free associate <laughs> doing Donald Trump. And he would talk about, oh, the amulet of, of power. Oh, you got to pull that sword. And he just, it is, uh, he's a top 10 talent. I mean, maybe of all fucking time. Amazing, that guy. He's so good that now. When I hear Donald Trump, particularly when I was listening to this clip, it's like Donald Trump is doing an impression of James Austin Green doing an impression of Donald Trump. <laughs> and a lot of people expected something like this, but not for the amount. Uh, but this is a very dishonest man. This is a man that's been overturned already on this case four times. But a crooked New York State judge just ruled that I have to pay a fine of $355 million for having built a perfect company. Uh, great cash, great buildings, great everything. It affects New York. It's mostly talking about New York, where we have a 
totally corrupt attorney general. She campaigned on the fact that I will get Trump, I will get Trump. Everybody's seen it, Letitia James. They've all seen it. Well, we'll be appealing, but more important than that, this is Russia, this is China, this is the same game. All comes out of the DOJ, it all comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before. You see it in third world countries, banana republics, but you don't see it here. So I just want to say this. You build a great company. There was no fraud. The banks all got their money, 100%. They love Trump. They testified that Trump is great, great customer, one of our best customers. They testified beautifully. And the judge knows that. He's just a corrupt person. I was a little quick on this. Sarah Sherman. Wow. In the middle of the clip, I actually. Yeah. So it's actually James Austin Johnson. Oh, okay. Yeah. So sorry about that. Sorry, bro. (laughs) Very funny. And also... This is the this is the DOJ. This is Joe Biden. This is in in the Joe Biden or whatever. <laughs> it just what? How is this guy? How is it a binary choice between Joe Biden and this fucking guy? Yeah. Well, and this is the thing is there's a lot of focus on how Joe Biden speaks, the way that he fumbles over certain things. He's under a microscope right now. But Donald Trump has been the same ranting and raving goofball using buzzwords. I mean, in the span of that one minute that you just heard him, he's like China, Russia, witch hunt, DOJ. Like he's just using he's just using a string of buzzwords that he uses all the time. And no one is like, hey, what's going on with him? Because we all know that there's something really wrong. Man, person, camera. What? (laughs) (laughs) So. What's interesting is Nikki Haley is still in the race. She That is interesting. Is is still thinking that somehow there's going to be an opportunity for her. I think what she's hoping to do is show up at the convention with some sort of contingent of delegates that will if something happens to Donald Trump that she will be able to step up and be crowned the victor because he will have been taken down by one of his court cases or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she's hoping, but I think she's going to endorse him. I still believe that she will when she inevitably drops out if her wishes don't come to fruition. And we're collecting clips of Nikki Haley of all the things that she has said about him. And this is another one that stands out because Donald Trump has used like $50 million in campaign donations to pay his legal fees. Just this year. and now Or he, last year. Now he wants control of the RNC. And he wants to appoint everybody in power at the RNC, including his daughter-in-law, Laura Trump. Yeah. And basically, I guess he just wants to direct all that money into his pockets. She has said as much. She said every penny that the RNC takes in will go to what it rightly should be spent on, electing Donald Trump president of the United States, which is to say, fuck all of the down-ballot candidates. If you're running for Congress, you can't rely on the Republican National Committee because we're going to give all the dollars to Donald Trump for his campaign and for his legal battles. I wonder what's more entitled. Hmm, a poor person wanting a meal from a restaurant or Donald Trump using everyone's money to pay off his legal (sighs) fees. You can hear congressional candidates up and down the ticket saying oh man this is this is unfair (laughs) (laughs) so so here's nikki haley with one of her many drops that she will come to regret once she inevitably comes out and endorses donald trump all he did was talk about himself 
And then we get the campaign disclosures, and we see that he paid $50 million of campaign contributions to his own personal court cases. And now he's going to go back, and now he's trying to take over the RNC. He's taken someone from North Carolina, and he's having them co-chair the RNC with his daughter-in-law. And he's putting his campaign chair as director of operations. Now, if he spent $50 million on that, he's going to the RNC for help with his legal fees. The RNC is broke. The RNC is broke because everything related to Donald Trump is losing. The RNC, look, that's not hyperbole on her part. They've talked about having to take out loans to float this election that they ended last year with like $8 million on hand, which is fucking nothing for for one of the two most effective political parties in our country. I mean, there are... House and Senate candidates that have more than $8 million in their campaign coffers. The Republican Party is broke, which should tell you something about the support that it uh, commands among Americans. Now, part of it is the fact that Donald Trump is, is splitting the support, that they're donating straight to the dear leader rather than giving money to the Republican National Committee. Because Donald Trump's not sharing money that he, the way I understand it, the way I assume it to be, is Donald Trump isn't like, okay, if you donate uh, $100 to the Trump campaign, 25 of that 100 is going to the RNC. Like, sometimes that happens. <laughs> He's taking it all. In fact, some of that money gets split up to go to his legal defense or more accurately spoken, most of it will go to the legal defense and then 25% of it or something will go to the campaign. Yeah. We also had Mitt Romney come out this week and officially say that he will not be voting for Trump. I will not be voting for former President uh, Trump. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I must admit that I find uh, sexual assault to be a line I will not cross um, and the people I select to be my president. Uh, but I also disagree with uh, a number of the character issues that the president has demonstrated. Wait, was uh, sexual assault a real deal breaker for you in 2016, Mitt? What? How about, how about, how about 2020, Mitt? Was it a deal breaker there? Sound a little like Jason Chaffetz now, brother. That is funny that you say that because this is the criticism that Nikki Haley is getting. You know, her husband was attacked by Donald Trump saying that he's missing from the campaign trail. He's deployed right now. And she has been going on jags about how you can't disrespect members of the military. You can't disrespect these these people in the military that are putting themselves in harm's way for you. And of course, we know that she supported Trump in 2016. She worked for Trump when he attacked Gold Star families, when he talked about how he likes people who weren't captured, talking about John McCain. That losers and suckers if you die in combat, all of that. Yeah, we know who he is. So And we've known who he is. Thanks for thanks for coming along. (laughs) A little late. Okay, very late. And Brett Baer from Fox News, who loves to go to Mar a Lago, 
He's one of the straight newsmen over there. Uh, but yeah. he, remember, he loves to go to Mar-a-Lago. We've and- also, we've been privy to all of his text messages back and forth with Tucker Carlson about how to protect the company and how to report certain things. Yeah, a real straight newsman. So he actually had a... He's the Walter Cronkite of our time, <laughs> Brett Bear. He gave me what I thought was a funny soundbite that we're going to have now because he actually, during an interview with Trump, told Trump to his face, this is shocking for a Fox News host, you guys, told him to his face that he lost the election. What do you say to that female independent suburban voter who feels that way to win her back? First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot, okay? You Let's know, get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that this, and if you look at all of the tapes, if you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or let's go to recent. Wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brett. Understand about all the Hunter Biden. No, but that's cheating on the election. But that's cheating on the election. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett, uh, you take a look at all of the stuff ballots you take a look at all of the things including things like the 51 intelligence there were, agents there were recounts in all of the swing states there was not significant right, widespread we're trying fraud. to get recounts real recounts not just numbers of votes widespread cast. corruption there was not a sense of that there were lawsuits more than 50 of them by your lawyers some in front of Freddy, judges Freddy. judges that you appointed look at wisconsin that came out with wisconsin no evidence. Is, Fred, wisconsin has practically admitted it was rigged other states are doing the same right now and it's Continue on. It was a of rigged every election. potential case of voter fraud in six battleground states, and they found fewer than 475 cases. You know why? Because they didn't effective. look at the right things. Okay. Are you going they to were be counting? <laughs> they were counting ballots, not the authenticity of the ballot. The ballots were fake ballots. You had this I was asked, a very rigged. Are you election. going to go? This is how you're going to tell that independent suburban no, woman no, voter. No, no, no. We're, to vote we're for off you. to winning an election, and I think we're winning very well. Uh, I got a poll just recently. Recently, I have it here. I'd no, no, show no, I you. know. And, and I watched but the number. They didn't look at the right things. Right. I, I love, so this is, let's well, just. Why didn't your lawyers bring the right things before the judges <laughs> in the courtroom? Yeah, let's let's hear Donald Trump's response again, because I loved his response to Brett Baer telling him that he lost the election. He lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brett. Uh, <laughs> uh, Brett. Uh. <laughs> also, I love the the Brett Bear tepid. Um, Donald Trump's like, "No, we won, we won." And Brett Bear's like, uh, "Well, that's the that's the yeah. that's the, uh, the, the <laughs> vote show. It's, they didn't show that." It took him a while to work up the, the courage. The votes, they yeah. oh, don't wait, stop, <laughs> don't quit lying. It's, this is Fox News. We don't allow lies. He uh, eventually got there. Uh, it took him a little bit. He had to build up the 2020 election. <laughs> uh, Brett. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, you almost had it. You could be quicker than that. Nothing new is is what we've learned. We took a break from talking about Donald Trump and yeah. nothing new. It really it, is just, a, he plays the fucking greatest hits. I mean, that's maybe why the, the cognitive decline that I believe he's in doesn't really show because it's just repeating, it's just repetition. It's muscle memory for him. There was, I don't know if I talked about this, but if you're interested in in hearing experts talk about what happens to our brains as we age, and when I say experts, I mean like actual experts, not people like Andrew Huberman or something like that, um, you want to go and watch an interview that Amna Nawaz on PBS did with two doctors. The title of the YouTube video is Experts Describe What Happens to Our Brains and Memories as We Age. 
And it's a, it's a great interview. She talks about both Biden and Trump, specific examples of them, and asks them to weigh in on what they think is happening cognitively. And I guess I'll just spoil it for you right now. <laughs> There's no firm answers, you guys. Yeah. Because anyone who is an expert and who is trained in their field is going to say... I can't diagnose someone from afar. I would have to evaluate them for hours, days, maybe months. It yeah. would be a l- lengthy period of time before I could give you an answer about this. But hey, everybody who's watching clips on Twitter, you know what's going on. In, in, in the meantime, though, we, we, we always have this. You lost the 2020 election. Uh, Brad. <laughs> so one thing we talk about a lot is... The crisis of housing affordability. We just talked about at the top of the episode. Yes. And, of of course, we learned that half of American renters pay more than 30% of their income on housing. And this is according to a new study. And if you're wondering what is important to focus on, this is definitely one of the issues that I think the Democratic Party should be focused on going into the 2024 election. Mommy? No. Yes, honey. What are you doing? What's anal sex? <laughs> How dare you do that? Oh, it's the end of the show. I'm You I, know what's interesting about that is normally I can tell when you're getting ready to pull some shit like that because you're smirking over there <laughs> and you played it very well. All right, here's the real What a dick. <laughs> your rent is, you know, taking up a third or more of your budget. The first thing that you have to get rid of is your entertainment budget. You have to get rid of things that give us, I guess, relief. Yeah. In one year, I had a $300 price hike. Um, and then just this last year, it was a $700 price hike. If it keeps going up, we're going to have to reevaluate a lot of things. We're going to have to reevaluate family members being to have their own space the only option that'd be cheaper really is a trailer and get a double wide trailer for between six and seven hundred dollars which is still more than half of my income but it's less than 75 percent in order to make up for the additional cost of rent um we do have to every once in a while go to you know food pantries to even subsidize our grocery budget which is abysmal at this point at the end of the day you know when you're paying that much you really can only afford food your utilities your living your rent and then obviously gas and stuff like that and you know that's that's it i can't see myself going without having roommates in my current situation i actually live with a couple who's no longer a couple anymore but we cannot afford to live elsewhere. So we have three people in a two bedroom, two of whom are no longer in a relationship and sharing a room because of how hard it is to find housing. It's nerve wracking. There's no real way to prepare for it, especially if you're going to be low. And there are times when I have to think about in the next couple of days, do I need food for me or for the pets more? You know, there are times when money is so tight that we'll all go out as a family and do DoorDash together. So, you know, it's it's embarrassing. It's not fun, especially, you know, since I have a professional job and things like that. And, you know, I have an MBA and I'm out delivering DoorDash on the side. And so my kids, they're aware of the financial pressures. But at the same time, it's like we take those opportunities to spend time together as a family. I think I'm going to be running my whole entire life. And that's... um it's really sad because 
I make a good living. I, I'm a middle of the road American and I should be able to buy a house. It is a constant hamster wheel of working just to go to sleep and write somewhere. And uh, it's hard. You hear all that, uh, all that entitlement, Brittany, right. that those people are expressing? How how ungrateful for everything they've been getting. They're so entitled. Fucking gross. Yeah. I mean, at some point, the country is going to have to, out of necessity, take this issue on and impose rent control or something. Look, I don't know what the answer to it is. But we are reaching a breaking point in this country where these stories aren't just pulled out like, oh, these are one in in 10,000 or one in 100,000. These sto- You know someone, very likely, who's going through something very similar in their life right now. I think, If not, you yourself. Right. Many people, th- that's why I wanted to play this, because I think a lot of people listening to this show are going to identify with things that they, they heard there. And we cannot get away from the fact that we were raised poor it will always be the foundation on which I <laughs> I move forward and how I view everything. and As it should be. I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. Yeah, we, Just listening to that and listening to everyone repeat all of their difficulties is, is very hard. Especially listening to that woman who said that it's embarrassing that she has to take her family to do DoorDash. It is not embarrassing. It is not an individual failure on the part of yeah. all those people. All of those people are working hard. She has an MBA. She has a job. She has a family. And she's going out to do DoorDash. And she has she has so much shame that she says it's embarrassing when she's working that hard. No, it is not embarrassing. What's embarrassing is that we have a system in this country yeah. that is failing so many people. We should not be in a situation where half of Americans are spending more than 30% of their income for something that they need, housing, an essential part of living. That's unacceptable. Yeah, it, There is definitely no individual embarrassment that should be felt. It, it's, it's collective embarrassment. We all should be fucking embarrassed uh, of what we've allowed. The, the system that we've allowed to run away like a forest fire away from us and, and, and unable to control. Yeah. And I mean, I, even during the pandemic, you would think that this would have gotten under control, but it actually got worse during the pandemic. Rate rents went up globally in the United States, and I don't mean as the like the, the world, but in the United States, and I don't maybe globally, they only increased. Landlords are taking advantage and colluding one with another to jack up rent prices. Corporations are now in the business of buying up houses and controlling, nefariously, I believe, the housing market. It's embarrassing. Yeah, so I I think it's important to not lose sight of that. And this is this is the winning message that, that Democrats need to continue with. You know things like the chi- the expanded child tax credit that puts cash in families' hands yeah. to help alleviate some of this suffering. I mean, every study that comes out on basic income providing cash to people, putting it in their accounts, it shows that it helps people's upward mobility. That they are able to cover their necessities. They're able to put something in savings so that they have a buffer, so that when there is a crisis that comes up, they can afford it. They can go to school and work on their education. They can take a vacation yeah. to have a break from 
the hell that is existence sometimes. And so I just, we, we need to be supporting policies like that. We need to make it clear that this party, the Democratic Party, is the party that supports these policies and is going to advocate for these things. And I think that's really a winning message. And I think the, the, we, we really need to press Democrats to actually get in there and pass legislation to to codify these things into law the thing that will alleviate the suffering and actually lift people out of the desperation they feel. We can't wait for the market to do it. We can't wait for people to do it out of the goodness of their own fucking heart because we've learned over the course of generation after generation after generation that doesn't work. We need our, our leaders that we elect to write legislation and stand on changing things for the fucking better. Yeah, so if you are out there and you're listening to this and like you heard one of those stories and it it really resonated with you or even when that woman said it's embarrassing and maybe you're in a position where you feel like that I just I want you to feel like it's it's not embarrassing and those programs are in place to help people if you are someone that needs food stamps if you are someone that needs cash assistance whatever it is I I hope that this show can be one where we are making some progress on moving the needle so that people don't feel shame for those things. There should be zero stigma yeah. around it. Yeah. Yeah. We would love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. If you're still with us, guy who smokes and knows things, don't be pissed off. I would expect that you would allow me to be as passionate as you are in your uh, in your emails. And that goes for everybody. We're here to move the conversation forward. I know I can be a prick. That is just how, how I was designed, I think. And uh, I don't want to stifle emails. I don't want to stifle uh, the conversation being moved. And I want to continue to have these important conversations and, and, and disagree agreeably or however we decide to do it. We love and appreciate you. We will see you next time. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash I Doubt It Podcast. Until episode 905 for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.